Welcome back to Sound Insight. We're going to begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And I thank you and I praise you for all the ways that you love us and you take care of us and that you invite us into a deeper intimacy with you, a deeper union with you. Lord, help us to not fall short or settle for less in how we live for you. Help us to uh, help us to truly respect the the fundamental limits that we have in life, but also to learn how to live well with those limits. Help us to learn how to uh, be respectful of those of those things that are part of how you've made us, or part of of the life that is ours to live. But Lord, help us also to come to you with great trust. Look to you with great trust, Lord. We do trust in you, Jesus. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, I have, I, I don't know if I'll get through seven, but I have a number of just sort of key phrases, virtues, principles. I guess you can kind of classify a number of the things I'm going to say as falling under one or other or more of those. <laughs> That are, that are meant to be, let's say, for some, just helpful reminders, uh, hopefully helpful confirmations of things that you already know and live and um, very well could be living much more profoundly than I am. But these are things that I have found too often are not, not regularly taught about or taught about sufficiently so that... Um, Catholics can put them into practice in their in their daily lives. And, and and I'm not just talking about sort of cultural Catholics, people who maybe at best are going to church on Sundays out of a sense of duty, but not making much of an effort to live their lives centered in their Catholic uh, identity, in their relationship with God as it comes to be fully reflected as a Catholic, Roman Catholic Christian, or is it just as a disciple of Jesus, for that matter? And so I'm going to bring up a number of these that uh, just bu- bubbled up as a result of different conversations I've had, and I won't tell you all the context of all of them. I'm just going to dive in. He who flees prayer flees all that is good. That's St. John of the Cross. He who flees prayer flees all that is good. I was kind of wrestling between that and uh, another famous dictum or saying about prayer. The one who prays will surely be saved. The one who does not pray will surely be damned. (laughs) That's St. Alphonsus de Liguori. There you go. How's that for a little bit of an ice bucket challenge? Uh, Waking us up a little bit. Uh, it, it, obviously, I'm talking about prayer here. And it's it, here, here's my, I don't know if this is a complaint or this is a something I've just noticed that even for Catholics that are, let's call them devout, let's call them intentional, let's call them uh, fervent, like very convinced about their Catholic faith, 
very convicted about the um, the belief that the Catholic Church is revealing the fullness of who God is through Jesus Christ and provides the fullness of truth and the fullness of the means of salvation and sanctification. So it's it's through being a member of the church that we are going to be set fully free and alive to be the children of God that God has called us to and elevated us to through baptism. And and they really long to live that faith day to day and all that they do. And, and there's a, a degree of um, engagement around like Catholic matters. There's an awareness of the Pope, Pope Francis, and the local church and other happenings. But when it comes to day-to-day life, they're just not praying or praying much or making daily prayer a concern, a focus. If I don't take time to pray today, you know, that's sort of par for the course. And it's, it's not a pressing issue. It's not a problem. It's not a burning concern. And it's as if the idea of having prayer be a critical part of what it means to live well day to day uh, is not really that present. So there may be uh, acknowledgement of God at meals. Maybe uh, there's uh, little snippets of maybe conversation with God um, in the midst of other activities um, that sort of thing. But the idea of saying, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to set apart this chunk of time that's a meaningful, a meaningful amount of time. I'm going to set it apart. And Lord, this time is for you. This time is for us. This time is for me to nurture my union with you and to come to you to express my love, my gratitude. Uh, my hope in you, and to bring to you the burdens of my day, and to to open my heart to you, and to ask you to open your heart to me. And then to say, Lord, I I want to go deeper. And Lord, I want to try to figure out what it is that's part of my life that's holding me back from going deeper. Right, so, you know, there are so many Catholics who can be very, uh, they, they, they're really good about goal setting, have a vision and a goal and a strategy and a plan and uh, determined to be successful in, in work, in marriage, in, in, in family life, in so many parts of, uh, of, of their lives. But when it comes to prayer, they're in Little League. They're in Little League. They're in T-ball. And it's like, what can I do to help dent to that? How do I, how do I cry out from the, from the rooftops? Make time for God. Make your relationship with God a priority, a higher priority than eating. Make the idea that today you can develop your relationship with God. You can, you can do more than you're doing. You just can. You can sacrifice other things in order to spend more time with God. And spending more time with God might mean 
reading a Bible, doing the Liturgy of the Hours, going to Mass, taking some quiet time, being willing to put down the smartphone, turn off the TV, shut the laptop, get away from the desktop computer, and, my goodness, spend time with the source of all goodness. Make God a priority. Come on, guys. I, I, I think I'm thinking a lot of guys. And maybe I'm making a plea here for priests. You who are our spiritual fathers, do more to help your people know how to pray, learn how to pray, grow in their prayer. I have been so blessed with a privileged to have had five years of my life set apart from the ordinary concerns that almost every single lay person has had to deal with, the stresses and pressures connected with having to pay bills and uh, whether it was pay for schooling or pay for housing, pay for food, and uh, trying to have a job and, and, and make money and, and, and all those other stresses. Being in the seminary, I had this incredible life that was set apart from so many stresses and pressures in order to go deeper into my relationship with God. And those five years created such a beautiful foundation, a habit, a set of habits that then carried forth when I left the seminary into life with a men's household, with a group of guys that were committed to pray an hour together every day. And then from there, other times of prayer. And and then just sort of flowing from there. So I'm going to be judged much more harshly than the majority of people listening to this program because of the the graces that God gave me to pull me apart from living a life that was so bound up with the daily tasks and duties of the world. But I am here to say, I know the difference. I know the difference between living a day when I make God my first priority. And that's what prayer does. Prayer is saying, Lord, I put my relationship with you as a, as, as a front and center singular priority. I'm not only talking with you, Lord, when I'm in the middle of other things, but I'm making you my, my priority. And I know you might be saying, it's so hard, Tom. You don't get it. You don't get how busy I am. I have five teenagers in my house and three younger ones. <laughs> uh, and... I'm serving folks, and I've got two jobs. I do the ministry work, and I'm doing this real estate work now as a real estate professional. And you know what? That's not a nine-to-five job. So uh, I get it. I understand what it's like to be busy, to be pulled in many directions, and to say it's, it's easy to crowd God out. I get it. I face the temptation every day. And here's the thing. I know how hard my day is when I don't make God the priority as that shows up by saying, I'm praying, I'm going to Mass. No matter what else happens here, no matter how busy I think I am, too busy to go to Mass, too busy to pray, that's not a good day. And I don't just mean objectively speaking, I mean subjectively, the way that I actually experience the day is that the day is so much harder. It's so much harder when I'm trying to make it through my day 
without prayer, without that time set apart for the Lord in prayer. And so I encourage you, I plead with you, I beg you to believe the great doctors of the spiritual life, that you won't be growing in your union with the Lord. You won't be um, living the life of a disciple with his grace, his mercy, his power, his peace, his joy, his freedom, if you're not praying. So be thoughtful about it. Be thoughtful. You're hearing this program most likely in the morning. You might hear the rebroadcast at night or you're listening to the podcast version. Whatever, Whenever you're hearing it, if it's in the morning, like most of you, then I want you to stop and, and say to yourself, have I prayed today? And if I haven't, when am I going to pray? Be utterly practical. Can you pray right now? Can you pray after the program? Can you make it to a nine o'clock mass? Uh, we can do this. It just takes a bit of determination and God's grace. Prayer is a gift. And because prayer is a gift, we should ask for that gift. Say to the Lord, Lord, I want to I wanna be more faithful to prayer, to, meet, to meeting you in prayer. And, and I, if you notice the way I talk about it, it's not I'm committed to pray. No, it's I'm committed to God, and that's expressed through my relationship in prayer. It's not I am, <clears throat> you don't put the emphasis on the means, but you put it on the goal. The goal is loving God, growing in our union with the Lord expressing our relationship with the Lord, communicating, hearing and speaking, receiving and, and, and giving in our relationship with the Lord. And that's what prayer does. Prayer is a way of, of describing and expressing that sense of our relationship with God. And when we can nurture a vital relationship with the Lord, when we grow in that relationship, life just flows. It flows so much more peacefully. Things happen that things, there are breakthroughs that happen. And it's, it actually, it's going to lead me to the, to the second thing that I'll, I'll get to in a minute. I mentioned I've got five to seven of these, depending on how quickly I can get through them. But the first one, just I'm finishing up this first section of the program is don't forsake prayer. Don't give up on prayer. Don't let go of praying. But make a commitment, make a determined effort. Speak to the Lord with a sense of resolution. Lord, I'm committed to meeting you in prayer. And, I, and Lord, I want to pray more. I want to pray better. I want to pray more. I want to grow in my relationship with you through prayer. Don't forsake prayer. For he who flees prayer flees all that is good. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. DrTomCurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you today. So I'm talking about some, let's call them foundational things, foundational 
pieces to living our life of faith that that are easy to forget, but they're just so basic. We got to get these things right if we're going to grow in holiness. If we're going to advance on the path to godliness. And and that means if we want to have a bigger impact. Do you want to have a bigger impact on your kids' lives? Okay, this is bringing me right into the second one of these important principles that is not discussed sufficiently, but will help you immensely in living your life of faith day to day. And it's a virtue. It's the virtue that I I'll talk about regularly, but it's one that is not often discussed. I don't hear it almost ever discussed. And it's a, it's a sadness because it is definitely a virtue in our Catholic spiritual tradition. It's the virtue of hilarity, hilaritas. And if you've listened to my program, you remember what hilaritas is. It's the virtue of one who does not take himself too seriously. It's the virtue of one who does not take himself too seriously. Now, that doesn't mean acting like a joker. That doesn't mean acting like a fool and being foolish about our lives. But it does mean living a a life that is surrendered peacefully and joyfully. There's a there's a kind of surrendering. And here's where I want to make it apply today, because it, it can apply in many places. But hilarity is an incredible aid to surrendering control. And if you out there feel like sometimes, gosh, I wish I had more control over how my kids were behaving. It's something that I'm hearing again, just the rumbles about. It's the summer and kids are home from school. And there is a lot of hand-wringing, actually less hand-wringing, more frustration, more, uh, let's say, uh, I was going to say yelling, uh, uh, going after our kids. Why aren't they more like this? Why do they do that? Why aren't they doing this? And there is a lot, and, and, and here's the thing. I'm not saying it's important it's not important for us to draw attention to the ways that our kids are falling short, not being responsible, not being accountable, uh, you know, being lazy. And uh, why, why aren't they showing up more fully in the way that we want them to show up, in the way that they ought to? There it is. The way that they ought to want to show up. Why, isn't, why aren't they wanting to show up like that? How can they just settle for that? Hilaritas. Take a big gulp get it pour yourself a big glass of hilaritas now if you do that if you drink down a big gulp of hilaritas you say lord i long to have some hilarity i'm not going to take myself too seriously that will allow you to surrender more peacefully not just out of frustration and not just out of, I give up. But more peacefully, surrender situations that were never in your control. 
surrender situations where I don't have the ability to will, to make that act of will for my kids. Hilarity will make room for God. Wow. Did you just hear that? When we act with hilarity, what we're doing is we're not taking ourselves too seriously, but we are turning to the Lord. And we are taking seriously the fact that God takes us seriously. You see, God didn't just create us and then abandon us and just say, figure it out. But God, he takes seriously his commitment to give grace, to meet us in the daily moments, to come in and move with power, to bring about things that we're not able to bring about. Surrender can bring about an outcome more easily and powerfully sometimes than our own determined efforts to make those things happen. Did you hear that? It's a hard one. This is a really difficult one for parents. Um, and not just for parents, for spouses, for husbands and wives in their relationships. Lord, I, I, I surrender. Lord, I, I am not going to... I surrender the idea that I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to turn the dials right and I'm going to be able to get it right to know what to do to get my kid to act like that. And so somehow yelling didn't get it done. <laughs> Getting angry didn't get it done. Punishing didn't get it done. Why aren't they getting it? And I want you to incorporate into the toolkit, incorporate into the, uh, the strategies, the, the approaches that you might take, some hilarity. I am not going to take, it's not, I don't care about my kid and what he's doing. I don't care about my spouse and what they're saying. I don't care about the attitudes that are showing up here. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you can approach it with a different spirit. You can approach it with a different spirit, and, and that spirit will become more manifest if there is a kind of hilarity. The hilarity would be recognizing things like, you know, God made him like that. Or, am I really surprised in a fallen world that my kid hasn't yet fully arrived at holiness and virtue? Am I, am I really that shocked that my kids don't value the things that I value even though I'm 25 years older and have lived through so much more and know the lessons that are learned by embracing these pet things that they're not willing to embrace right now. Did I tell you that I have five teenagers? <laughs> it's so, oh, my brothers and sisters, I'm speaking to, I'm speaking, I, if, if in the first part of the program I was speaking more to men, now I'm talking to husbands and fathers, now I'm talking more to the wives and mothers. Embrace some hilarity. You'll, you'll have a lot more freedom, a lot more peace. You'll, you won't be giving up, but you'll be giving over. And one of the manifestations of hilarity, of hilaritas, is that word in English that you naturally think, to, think of when you think of hilarity, which is hilarious, which is funny, right? And funny, I don't mean joking, but funny as in the freedom to laugh, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI talked about 
one of the manifestations of joy is laughter because there is a kind of freedom to laugh, a freedom to uh, express oneself in a jovial manner that isn't just something that people would do in any circumstance. So hilarity is, it frees someone to to laugh, to, to take a more like uh, open-handed, jovial approach to what's unfolding in our lives. I've found that that has really helped me when things like went badly, when things like, oh, that didn't turn out well, or there was a, um, you know, uh, I twisted my ankle, or I um, had uh, a meeting go badly, or something like that, or, or just some spiritual trial, just to laugh at myself, just to laugh and say, that's it. <laughs> that's all I got, really? And so I pray for, pray for hilaritas. Pray for hilaritas. You will find that it is a beautiful complement. It's not, not going to replace, but it can complement the approach that is a more natural one for moms to take and dads, but I'm, I'm focusing on moms a little bit here with regards to their kids when it's easy to focus on the gap, on the things where the kids have fallen short and to lose sight of the gift, that how good it is to be here, how good it is that this kid of mine is like this or these kids are like that, to be able to see and appreciate and be grateful for the gift that's there, even when the gap is showing up in a very loud, obvious way. Pray for that. Pray for that gift of hilaritas. You won't regret it. Okay, I want to turn to the men now. But this isn't only the men. This is still the women. This is definitely an application there. But the other aspect of hilaritas isn't just about... Um, surrendering in so far as I'm, I'm going to not try to control here, but I'm going to be able to have a sense of freedom in the face of things that are frustrating. There's another dimension of hilaritas that is connected to courage. There's a dimension of hilaritas that is connected to courage. And frankly, anyone anyone listening to my voice that has a part to play in the public square. And that's you if you're involved in any kind of civic club, sports team, um, not just political position, but any kind of, any. how about a job? Any of you that's out in the world at all in society, this is a moment where hilaritas will help you have more courage. Uh, again, these are conversations that I'm having regularly and for instance, they're connected to things like, how are you going to show up in the public square these days? Especially in the, uh, the aftermath of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It's, it's, a time of, it's a time of courage. The courage to be able to say, I'm Catholic. I'm proud. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm proud. I believe that God created us male and female. 
and that transgender ideology damages kids' lives and should not be taught in public schools. And promoting those things is promoting a path of darkness and spiritual bondage for our kids because it's a lie. It won't lead to flourishing. That's a damaging, dangerous thing. We should return to the truth that God made us male and female. And just to be able to say that, peacefully, without uh, a shaking of the fists, but to be able to say it with courage and conviction because we love kids, right? Thanks be to God, baby murder has been overthrown as federal law, killing of babies in their mother's wombs, which is what happens in an abortion. And it's so amazing how explicit that is coming out into the open in this environment. Praise be to God for that. Thanks be to God for that. That now when people are talking about what abortion is and why it's overturned, it's that babies have a right to life. Killing an unborn baby in the, in the womb of, of his or her mother is a, is a terrible tragedy and ought not to happen. But we've got a lot of work to do here in the state of Washington. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing that you politicians are doing, you political leaders, that you would somehow enshrine and strengthen state laws in the state of Washington and policies in the state of Washington and businesses in the state of Washington saying, we support the slaughter of innocent babies in the wombs of their mothers. That's what you're saying in your laws and policies, in your business decisions that are proclaiming those things. And you know what? We're done. We're just done letting you um, bring that out into the open and making that a central part of what you are proclaiming today as a response to Roe versus Wade. Thank you for coming out in the open and saying that you are going to provide financial support to enable a pregnant woman that works for you to get transportation and to cover expenses so that that mother can kill the baby in her womb. You're going to provide a sanctuary, a place for that to happen. Shame on you. Where is your humanity? Where is your sense of the preciousness of human life? It's a baby. It's a baby. The science is settled. It's not even a question. The medical, the genetic, it's settled. It's not, a, it's not up for grabs. It's not up for contention. It's a baby. And what does it take to be able to speak that in the public square? It's going to take a little bit of courage. And hilarity will help with that. Hilaritas means not taking ourselves too seriously. Even what that, when that means a public witness, a public witness to the truth that will save a baby's life, that will save a family from ruin, from destruction. And that doesn't mean that there aren't other ills that are connected to uh, crisis pregnancies, Absolutely, we need to address those things socially in, in a better way. But none of those things ought to enable or permit baby slaughter, the slaughter of innocent preborn babies in the wombs of their mothers. It's just, it's not, it's never justified. We're better than that as human beings. We ought to be. So those are just two examples, two examples where the society that we're living in and the state of Washington that we're living in 
is running far and fast into darkness and is promoting that darkness in clever, seductive, uh, and intimidating ways. And it's time for us to get out of line and say, I'm not standing for that. I'm going to take a stand for what's true and good and beautiful about human life. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So not taking ourselves too seriously. That's the second one. Just just one little final comment. Uh, It's one of those things where, guess what? It doesn't take long for people to Google you, right? So you've heard it now a couple times in this program, this sponsor mention of my, uh, that I'm a real estate professional. I'm helping families discern what action to take and uh, whether it's to move or to stay and, and what are all the ramifications of that. And, and I'm very explicit about the fact that I do this from a standpoint of faith. And if that's a concern to folks, then they can find it, someone else to help them. Absolutely, they can. But uh, it's, it's something that I am public about. Uh, I don't lead with it. You don't go onto my website and see a, a rosary <laughs> in my hand saying, I'm going to pray a rosary with you before we talk about houses. But I will pray with those who are open to pray. I'll bring in the context of faith for those who are open to the context of faith. And if people are comfortable with that, that's great. And if people are not, that's perfectly fine. But it's not being afraid of that. That's hilaritas. That's hilarious. It's trusting that the Lord will honor those who honor him. You know, the, the Lord the Lord's is my provider. right? Not clever marketing. It's the Lord who's my provider. So hilaritas will help with that. So there's a second one. Third, one of the questions I would ask my priest friends. So I left the seminary after my third year of theology. So that meant within a year of being ordained a priest. So I was never ordained a deacon, never ordained a priest. I went all the way up till my final year of studies. And so obviously in the course of these years, I had some really, really good friends that had journeyed with me for three or four or five years. And they would then go on to be ordained the next year. So these really at that point were my best friends. And after ordination, when I would have a chance to talk with them, one of the things that I would bring up, and I would bring it up all the time, it was like one of my essential questions when I would check in with them, because these are all diocesan priests. And so for many of them, if not their first assignment, by within a couple of years, by their second assignment, they would be living alone as a diocesan priest. And that meant going from a seminary where there were 120 guys that were, you know, living in a really big building, seeing tons of guys their own age with similar ideals, pursuing the priesthood, having tremendous, easy at hand opportunities for fellowship, and four, here are the three words, support, encouragement, and accountability. Support, encouragement, and accountability. That's what it meant to be a brother to someone else in the seminary. I didn't just say a friend. I said a brother. You choose your friends. Your brothers are given to you. I didn't choose my two brothers. God chose the family for me and my two brothers to be in together. 
So brothers are a gift from the Lord. Friends, you can choose based on common uh, interests and and uh, all those types of things, right? So the the deepest relationships I had were with guys who, for me, were not only friends, but had that quality of brother. Like there were many guys I played basketball with, but among them were a few guys that we made a common commitment to say, let's walk together. Let's go deeper together and make sure that we are supporting each other, encouraging each other, and holding each other accountable. So coming into the priesthood, here are the guys. And I say to them, okay, live by yourself. Hey, who's your brother? Who's your brother priest? There's a priestly fraternity that's part of the diocesan priesthood. Who are you getting together with on a regular basis to support you? What support? Support means when you're struggling, I'm there to lift you up. You stumbled. Okay, great. Let me lift you up, get you back on your feet. Okay, you, right now you're struggling. You, you're a bit wounded, so let me kind of help carry you along here to get you the support you need. Encouragement. To be able to have a place where you can share about the victories, you can share about the positive things, the good things that are happening, that you can have someone authentically affirm you, celebrate the good things, and praise God together with you. To offer that encouragement to say, keep on it, keep going. You're doing a great job. Put courage into you to encourage. And then the last one was accountability. And that's where most men's groups go is they say, you need an accountability partner. I say, you don't. You need a brother in the Lord, a brother in the Lord who will, as part of that being a brother in the Lord, provide a kind of accountability. And so to be able to say to the, my, my dear friend and brother in the Lord, who's now an ordained priest, who's holding you accountable? Look, I, I'm living in another part of the country. I'm a lay person. You need a priest. Who's the priest that you're going to say to you, it's going to say to you, when I'm struggling with a particular sin, can I call you up? Right in the moment, day or night. If I'm being tempted in a certain direction, can I bring that to you? And I give you permission to ask me about this aspect of my life, about this part in my life. And I commit to telling you the truth. I'll be transparent with you. That's accountability. Support, encouragement, accountability. The sadness is this. I was not taught that in the seminary. I was taught that by my older brother, who was living in a men's household. It was part of a Catholic charismatic uh, community, covenant community, Catholic charismatic covenant community, when he did net for two years and then was um, working for the church and started this uh, Catholic men's and women's household program, along with the priest in charge of um, uh, this amazing parish in New Hampshire where I ended up coming to work and to live, he was the one who shared with me about those three dimensions of support, encouragement, and accountability. And along with that was, how do you share? You hear about sharing, and it's like people kind of droning on, or shared ignorance, or um, saying a whole bunch of words, but not actually disclosing anything. So actually learning how to share in a way that is concise, 
correct and and transparent that that not shares all the the details but shares discreetly but sufficiently so that your brother in the Lord or your brothers in the Lord, the ones who you're walking with, have an understanding of what's going on and can offer you support, encouragement, and accountability. And here's the great sadness. The great sadness is that the great majority of the friends of mine who ordained priests did not have that. They didn't have a brother priest with whom they had that relationship of support, encouragement, and accountability. Some of them had spiritual directors. Some of them had a confessor. Like, you know, I'll, you know, we'll hang out on uh, days off at least once a month or every so often. And as part of that, I'll go to confession and you go to confession, that kind of thing. Um, some of them had um, like Jesu Caritas groups or other groups that were intentionally formed to help diocesan priests find that brotherhood. But the group is only as good as the guys that are in it and only as uh, good as the guys willing to share in a, in a good way rather than just having it be a complaining opportunity and just um, shooting the breeze rather than, no, there's a purpose here, guys. Let's pursue that purpose together. So that's all on the side of priests. And you know what? This is their vocation, and this is what they do for a living. And it was the rare exception for my brothers in the diocesan priesthood, these dear friends of mine, who, again, already got it. They understood the value of it, and it was something that they, they desired, but they had such a hard time finding. That was their experience how much more is it the case that it's so much easier, a lot less complicated for priests to have those kind of relationships? Okay, let's turn it now to married life. God bless us if priests struggle with that. Okay, men. You know, many men just struggle with the idea of accountability all by itself. But what about that broader commitment of support and encouragement and accountability? How about married couples finding support, encouragement, and accountability. Honestly, I think women are, have a leg up here. Women have a, an easier time, generally speaking. Gen, it's a generalization, but it's one that has merit. Uh, are generally a bit more attuned to what's happening inside of them and more willing to talk about it. Not always, but generally. And so for men, guys, you got to find a brother in the Lord. You got to pray for a brother in the Lord or a group of guys that can walk together in support and encouragement and accountability. How are we really going to advance in our life of faith without that kind of brotherhood as disciples? Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. Today on the program, I'm laying out some things that I think are just so fundamentally important if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you, if you really are saying, I'm serious, I want to grow. Lord Jesus, I want to grow in my relationship with you. I, want to, I don't want to settle for less. I've got one life to live. I'm getting older. Time's going by. It's so easy to get distracted, to have my energies just dispersed in a hundred directions, and to be diverted by things that don't honor you. And, and Lord, in doing that, I'm just settling for less. I'm not going deeper into prayer. I'm not d discovering more about the, 
the riches in your heart. Am I praying? Am I meditating? Am I spirit, doing spiritual reading? Am I uh, being regular about accessing the sacraments, especially the Mass and confession? Am I praying every day? Right, these are things that that are just foundational. And so I talked about the a plea, a plea to cry out to God for the gift of prayer and to make a determined effort to pray every single day. Not just while you're doing other things. And then I also encouraged you to ask the Lord for the gift of hilaritas, to not take yourself too seriously. And that would be a means of surrendering control and gaining courage. Surrendering control over situations where you don't have power, but the hilarity to ride into battle, singing a song, even if that means being at the, the, the point of the attack of the enemy, coming against you. To have the courage to do that is going to take some hilaritas. And then in the most recent section, talking about the, one of the fundamental reasons why we are not growing in faith is that we are lacking true brotherhood and sisterhood. True brotherhood and sisterhood in faith, where the Lord gives us these relationships with brothers for men, sisters for women in Christ, who will not only pray together, but be willing to share and share in a way that we can support each other, encourage each other, and hold each other accountable. When you experience it, you recognize how essential it is. If you've never had it, you literally don't know what you're missing. You have no idea the power that it can bring to you to battle against sin, to recognize that you're not meant to fight alone, and that you can be authentically encouraged by brothers in Christ without making it a matter of pride or envy, jealousy, none of that. But you can have an authentic uh, celebration of faith together just out of, out of God's glory and goodness. Okay, the next one. Uh, I think now I'm on to number four. I, 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 I'm going to say I'll get through five. <laughs> all right, the, I'm not going to get through all seven, sorry. So number four is the Holy Spirit. Once again, if you've listened to the program, it just it baffles me that we strive to live our lives as Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus Christ without a greater devotion to the Holy Spirit, without a greater sensitivity to the power of the Holy Spirit, without a, an experience or an encounter with the anointing of God's Holy Spirit, without yielding to the Holy Spirit of Pentecost who has been poured into our hearts. We lack transformation because we lack a deep understanding of and pursuit of the Holy Spirit. Praying for a release of the Holy Spirit in our lives, an empowerment with the Holy Spirit in our lives, what the scriptures call a baptism of the Holy Spirit, this sense of the Holy Spirit coming as a fire upon our lives and setting our lives on fire. Look at the lives of the saints. So many great saints 
have these incredible stories of the Holy Spirit coming as fire, being revealed as fire, setting them in what they would describe as being set on fire. How many, how many Catholics today have had that experience? Where do they access that experience? It's not in my experience. I just don't, I don't mean an emotion. I don't mean just some, an emotional vibe. Uh, I'm talking about an encounter with God's Holy Spirit that is moving us. Look at the early church. When the Holy Spirit falls upon or is released within the lives of disciples, they are driven forth into mission. Driven forth right in the midst of persecution, right in the midst of facing uh, sacrifices, uh, surrendering and abandoning their nets and pursuing God. Where's that spirit today? No wonder we are so weak as a church when it comes to evangelizing, so weak as a church when it comes to standing up, speaking out, and pushing back. No wonder we're so weak. We're, we're trying to fulfill the, go- the call of God without the power of God released in our lives. And it, I've been around the, the block, the church block, long enough to know that we Catholics, our default setting is to find the program. Here's the program. Go sign up for this online video platform and you're going to get great teachings and that's going to cover your catechetical needs. Hey, let's get this other program that seems to have worked in this other parish and they wrote a book about it and you can go get trained and then when you come back, you're going to implement this program and it's going to bring new people into your church. Let's get this other program that will enable us to have small group conversations and then if we do that, it's going to then lead to a greater commitment of people coming to Mass. And so many of these programs are based on results. We had this many people before. We had this many people go through it. Now we have more people. And so, or it worked over here, so now it's going to work over there. It worked for them, so it should work for us. And the program-based approach is just so... It's a typically Catholic way of doing things. And it's not that programs by their very nature are like doomed to failure, but they do, by their very nature, allow for an implementation without deep personal appropriation, without a sense of saying, we will use the program but not rely on it. We'll draw from the program, but we don't have to submit to it in all the details. We are going to say, let's learn from the insights, the principles, some of the practices that these programs recommend so we don't have to make stuff up or try to reinvent the wheel. But let's look to the Holy Spirit as our source of power. And let's watch what the Holy Spirit will do to release within us gifts and graces, a true anointing to be able to do things that we would never have been able to do before and experience God moving with power in ways that are supernatural, unexpected, shocking, wondrous, astonishing. That's what God will do. That's what God will do. So um, I encourage you. 
Again, I've talked about it quite a bit in the history of Sound Insight. Today, I'm kind of summarizing things that have just been part of conversations I've had in the last few days. Seek the unfolding of the Holy Spirit in your life. On Saturday, we had a gathering at our house of folks, and we had a time of praise and worship, opening ourselves to the Holy Spirit to speak to us in the scriptures, and then to just share briefly our best sense of, why are you here? Why did God bring you here? And it was so powerful. So stay tuned. If you're in eastern Washington, northern Idaho, or if you want to make a ride, we're going to start our own prayer meeting. Just a meeting of folks who want to come and praise and worship, have some teaching, some formation, some testimony about what God's doing in people's lives and fellowship. We are going to go deeper, deeper in a way that will incorporate some of these things that you're hearing about today. We're going to learn about how to pray. We're going to discuss in depth some of the fundamental principles and practices to be able to grow in our spiritual lives day to day. I'm not going to make stuff up, just draw from our tradition. I'm going to learn about hilaritas. And in learning about hilaritas, this virtue of not taking ourselves too seriously, we'll learn about the gift that each of us is and the gap that's there. And how do we live well in the midst of that with humility? And yes, with self-giving, courageous self-giving. And to do so with a cheerful spirit, a jovial spirit, without getting frustrated or burnt out. And yes, we're going to learn about supporting and encouraging and holding each other accountable so that when we're facing battles and hard times, we'll be able to lean on each other as brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ. And yes, we are going to seek after a deeper release and empowerment with the Holy Spirit. We're going to seek after that beautiful gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be accompanied by the Holy Spirit releasing within us new gifts, new graces. I'm excited to see what the Lord is up to. Just a tremendous sense of expectant faith. Those are just four. Uh, tomorrow I can I can dive into some more, um, and I hope actually it's a Friday, so uh, tomorrow so Kerry will be on with me. So maybe I'll mention them. <laughs> You'll have to wait and see. All right, tune in tomorrow for more sound insight. This is Dr. Tom Curran. Thanks so much for listening, and God bless your day.